Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve on this uh, Sunday night. It is uh, very strange, I've got to say, to be on a Sunday night for our final show of uh, 2022, our 45th edition of the first serve in what has been another huge uh, tennis year. There's one more big trophy up for grabs, and Australia is in contention for it, trying to win their 29th uh, Davis Cup uh, come a little bit later on tonight. So uh, that's, uh, well, it made me excited enough to get the juices uh, flowing. It's going to be a long night ahead. I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty, of you out there, plenty of you out there listening tonight who will uh, no doubt go the whole journey with Australia because uh, quite simply they have been outstanding in this uh, Davis Cup week to put themselves uh, in contention, particularly uh, without having a player of uh, Nick, Cal- uh, Nick Kyrgios's calibre to um, consider uh, for uh, selection. The rest of the Australian team has done a mighty job. So we'll talk some Davis Cup in uh, just a moment. Uh, we're going to talk coaching uh, tonight. One of our great partners uh, AATC uh, in the studio, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. And it's uh, not every day that you get a Wimbledon champion uh, in the studio. And it's great to have Stephen Huss uh, here. He is a, a big contributor to the first serve, of course, with our Crunching the Numbers uh, podcast. So great to pick the brains of Hussey a little bit uh, later on. His thoughts on the entire tennis seasons. He's uh, jetted back to Melbourne uh, to uh, catch up with a few people. So we'll do that a little bit later on. Always happy to take your calls, one 736 736 or on the uh, Tennis Direct uh, text tonight, 433 Tennis Direct, of course, you'll get that magnificent 10% discount store-wide. Uh, if you use that little code, uh, first serve one zero. Tennis Direct is Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, got free delivery on orders over $150. But we do need to start tonight uh, with the uh, the Davis Cup and what a week it has been for Australia. We'd, we're just talking out in the green room, in fact, uh, who the matchups might be. And uh, there's plenty of uh, things for uh, Leighton Hewitt to ponder. It's a great problem to have when you're the captain, uh, when the, you've got the coaching staff, Jamin Crabb, and uh, the, the wise words of Tony Roach, uh, Peter Luchak also in the camp, uh, surrounding Leighton as to what they go with, because this Australian team no doubt has shown this week they've got versatility, they've got players who can step up when it really, really counts. Uh, we expect uh, Canada tonight, the opposition for Australia, to certainly play Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliassime as their uh, two singles players. We know that uh, Felix has obviously taken his game to another level uh, this year, and uh, Dennis has probably gone back a couple of pegs, but a, a very different player to uh, to Felix. Played an incredible three-set match uh, last night, so his recovery powers will be fascinating. Does Australia stick with Thanasi Kokonakis? I think they probably do. Or is Leighton Hewitt tempted to go maybe Jordan Thompson against Shepovelov with uh, his heroics this week? And Alex Dimonor is the spearhead of the team, no doubt, uh, picks himself. In fact, that uh, matchup with uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime, they met in Cincinnati this year. It was 3-2 and two to Felix, which would probably uh, surprise you. It's not too often that Alex Dimonor gets uh, beaten in that sort of scoreline. And then uh, Max Purcell, well, he picks himself. Is Ebden an automatic to come back in tonight? The ankle... Uh, certainly from the indication of uh, Leighton, we expect uh, Ebden to be right to play or Jordan Thompson who played lights out tomorrow night. So there's so much ahead tonight to look forward to. Australia, Canada, live on 9GEM. Looking forward to being part of the coverage a little bit later on uh, tonight with uh, Yelena Dokic and 
Australia and Canada trying to win the Davis Cup. Let's have a listen to the Australian perspective. First of all, Leighton Hewitt, you'll hear some Jordan Thompson, you'll hear some Max Purcell as they reflected on their semi-final victory. Proud. The whole team, the support staff, uh, the hitting partners, Koobs, who's the sixth guy in the team. These guys make a lot of sacrifices to, to come here and uh, they've done it all year for me, for me and the coaching staff. And uh, they do absolutely everything that we ask of them and they deserve to get results like that. It's just nice when it all comes off and all the hard work pays off. They deserve to, to play in a big match on Sunday. Pair up with uh, you know, Maxie. Uh, we're from the same place in Sydney. We've trained together. I'm a few years older, so I always used to practice with Max and now uh, playing together. Played each other a couple, a couple of times, so it's good to be uh, on the same side of the net playing for our country. And yeah, that uh, that atmosphere, it can be matched if it was the old format, but this was pretty good too. Good playing with anyone. I'll, I'll stick my hand up to play with anyone on the team. Tom, I was a great partner today. Uh, we're in the final. I don't know. What else to say? Well, Leighton, congrats. It's been 19 years since the last time you were in the final of the Davis Cup. Back then as a, as a number one player of the team, now as a captain, how it has been for you all this process, always representing your country, but in different ways? No, it's great. Obviously, Australia has a really rich history in this competition and uh, we've been fortunate enough to to win it on a, a lot of occasions back a long time ago. And then I know how much it meant for me as a player to get the opportunity to play in finals. So I'm thrilled that these boys get that opportunity on Sunday. I'd love it to be in Australia, though. I'm disappointed the boys don't get to play in front of 15,000 at Rod Laver Arena. But it's what they've worked so hard for. You know, we're fortunate that we come from a country that has played in this competition for so many years. Last week, we went to Lou Hodes Academy here in Malaga, you know, where he sort of set up base. And, you know, we, we have Tony Roach in our team as well. We're fortunate to have people like that that are around. And, you know, I just couldn't be prouder of these guys and the, the heart and the passion and the pride that they're playing with out there. Run us through what happened in terms of the uh, the selection. Everybody assumed it would be M&M's in action. And uh, was this all planned from the start of the day? or Maddie had a slight ankle issue. So we had that coming in uh, for the last couple of days. So I had to go back to the drawing board and work out a plan that we could get the win today. And I, I couldn't be prouder of the whole team. They knew, we knew were the underdogs coming into this today. And we like being in that position as a place that I really enjoyed as a player and also as a captain. And for Tomo to step up though, and take up that responsibility tonight in a do or die doubles match. And he's played some doubles in Davis Cup before which gave me a lot of confidence but he played his role perfectly tonight and then Max though to take the lead role as well playing with a, a new partner out there I, I couldn't be prouder so it, there is a big big thing in Davis Cup doubles which is about chemistry and these two certainly had it which helped You also you were talking earlier in the week about the versatility of this kind of proved it today didn't it? Pretty much the whole year to these boys but especially this week that this is going to be a team effort so far the first two matches have been we'll have to go back to the drawing board and, and work out a plan for Sunday Were you Disappointed that you weren't playing in the singles today because obviously you had your win the other day, all part of the team. But did you did you feel as though you'd like to have uh, had a crack at um, that first match? Whatever role the team needs me in, I'll, I'll do that role. So I'm not disappointed at all. I still got to wear the green and gold and alongside Maxi in a in a you know do or die doubles match and to put us into the final. Um, you know that feeling I can't describe it. So um, yeah, anything the team needs me for, I'll uh, stick my hand up. Been quite emotional. 
where you was a player yourself and uh, and the bench of the, in the role of the captain. You look uh, very calm. Uh, I see you worried, but uh, pretty calm when you're uh, ruling the guys. Does it mean that you change a lot in the, in the past years, or it's just a role role and the uh, role model that helps your guys to be calm and to show the best game and the court? So I lost a little bit of that, but I I, well, I try to be fired up on the side of the court when I need to be. That's my personality as it is, but also there's times to be calm and be a calming figure out there and think your way through certain situations. Each of the players, it's about knowing the players' personalities on the court and what they respond best to. So, you know, that's that's part of this role. So the voice of Leighton Hewitt, Jordan Thompson, Max Purcell, reflecting after the semi-final win. Uh, what a night uh, that was, Australia. Uh, having to come back from a, a deficit, they showed some true grit. I think uh, the cameras uh, followed Alex Demonor. Uh, I've never seen Alex that emotional, uh, that nervous. Uh, the spearhead of this team, uh, really, you close your eyes. He's emulating what Leighton did all those years ago and just putting it all uh, on the line, and he rode every single shot of that doubles encounter. So our opposition tonight is the Canadians, second time they've made it through to the Davis Cup final. We know that Tennis Canada have uh, built a great system uh, the last uh, few years. They've produced uh, some terrific players. We know Andrescu on the women's side winning a US Open, Felix and Dennis on the men's side, uh, the experience of Vashik Pospisil, uh, who uh, still loves the game and so critical in, in the doubles. He's played um, against Germany this week with Denis Shepovelov. He played with Felix uh, last night. So we know that probably Pospisil's the lock. Who plays with him will depend on, uh, obviously, just the duration of matches. Who's got the freshest uh, legs out of uh, either Dennis or uh, Felix? But let's have a listen to the Canadians, uh, led by their captain, uh, Frank Dancevic. From the first moment we stepped on court, we, we knew that, I mean, anything can happen in Davis Cup. And we're here from the first point to the last point. It doesn't matter if we're down a match, a, a set, and two breaks, we're still going to fight to the end. And, you know, we got down a match today with Dennis, who's, you know, tough. Of course, it's tough losing the first point. But Felix came back again and, and put us back on the board at 1-1. And we just kept fighting. I mean, the guys came out in the doubles and, and just played an amazing tennis. We had the whole team, everybody from the staff to the players, Everybody, it was just an amazing team effort that, that got us through today. I'm so proud of this team and so proud of the guys, uh, what they've accomplished. That's the ultimate goal is, is to win the cup, and, and that's what we're dialed in to do. Felix, it's been a big day for you. A tie to you. How are you feeling? No, I'm feeling good. I mean, luckily, my, my singles went perfectly for me. Not getting broken, kind of a yeah, straightforward match, just like we like them as players, and so that went well. And I felt good in the doubles, good playing with Vashek. Team on the, on the bench was great. I don't know. I, I just feel like in Davis Cup, there's no time to, to get tired. Yeah to look at uh, the effort Dennis gave today also, playing over three hours, but never uh, showing any signs of uh, fatigue or giving up. That's the kind of spirit we want. I think, you know, the whole team is, uh, like Frank said, is like locked into to the main goal. And can you explain what uh, was the most difficult moment today and tonight? Because twice you were behind one break in both sets. Yeah. We faced situations like this also in Valencia. And we, again, it's the attitude. I think, uh, you know, we got broken. We could get frustrated with the way we missed some shots, but we bounced back really well with the right attitude. And um, that's what got us through in, in both sets. But yeah, once we took the lead, I felt like in the second we were playing great. And at the end, yeah, back against the wall, you just try your best. Luckily today it went our way. I'm really happy that it did. I think it came down, you know, today to, to the attitude because um, they didn't play poorly. I thought it was a very high level uh, on both sides in the doubles. And I think we were especially played really well as 
a team and our attitude. I mean, even when we went down break early, we were there's no time to get negative when you're playing Davis Cup and when it's a deciding match. Or and I think that that allowed us to to break back. I think in in both sets, I think we broke back right away or very very quickly after. And I mean, we played a really high level. I thought throughout the whole match, we were we were very um, synchronized. Well, congrats, um, Frank. You changed your double team. Can you tell us why uh, you put Felix instead of Denis, and if we can expect uh, the same uh, singles and doubles tomorrow? We have so many combinations with our team. Uh, Vashek, he plays amazing with both Denis and Felix, so it's not really you know, a big surprise that either guy plays with Vashek, and Dennis just played a really long match today. I mean, Felix was more fresh. He, he was uh, feeling great on court. He was, he was fresh going to the match, so... That was sort of the thought behind the decision. But, um, you know, Dennis really left his heart out today. He played a three in our 15-minute match. And, you know, it was, it, it was tough coming back to play doubles um, today when we, have, when we had Felix who was fresh. So uh, it was just, um, you know, it's, we have that option on our team, which is amazing. Both guys play amazing doubles. And uh, it's, it's going to vary throughout the next ties and throughout the years, um, depending on, you know, how the matches go. Okay, so there are the words from the respective camps ahead of the Davis Cup tonight. It promises to be a great final and every indication it could once again come down to the doubles, which uh, the organisers, Cosmos and uh, the ITF would absolutely love uh, if it was a, a thrilling finish that uh, got decided maybe in a, a tiebreaker, uh, the doubles all on the line. I've got to say, look, the Davis Cup has been a, a hot topic uh, the last uh, couple of years with the transformation, 18 Nations all coming together. They've changed it this year with the splitting up of the group stage and then the quarterfinal stage onwards. But the neutral uh, venues, I think Leighton said it after Australia qualified that, I mean, obviously Australia will put everything on the line. This is a United team. They love playing Davis Cup. The best would have been to have it at Rod Laver Arena with 15,000 people. We know that's not going to happen in the foreseeable future. It may never happen again with a long-term deal that Cosmos has done uh, with the ITF and the Davis Cup. But I've got to say, having been part of the coverage uh, this week, that it's felt better. I think they've done a better job to uh, fill the stadium, get the neutrals in. I mean, we know the Spanish love their tennis. Uh, they've not only supported their own team, but come along in good numbers. And uh, there's been some good supporter groups. Obviously challenging for the Aussies to have as many uh, supporters in the stands as the European uh, teams with the uh, uh, distance of travel. But Australia will be making plenty of noise from their own bench uh, tonight, that is for sure. Just a quick little tidy up of Terelgan today. We've had a couple of back-to-back -back ITFs. Omar Jaseka, we had Omar on the show a couple of months ago. He's uh, finished the season uh, in style, uh, winning his uh, fifth title for the year. So 70 wins, 23 losses. That's a lot of tennis played. 93 matches for Omar this year. No ranking at the start of the year. We know the whole Jaseka story to come back a couple of years away from the game. COVID sort of delayed that a little further. Uh, but a, a young man who's obviously got a lot of talent and um, looking at a good redemption story as well, won the US Open juniors. Going back to 2014, singles and uh, doubles. And uh, the next step is to try and get inside that top 200, which you know is not an easy feat. And uh, Destiny Iava winning the uh, singles and doubles down at Terrelgan uh, today. And Bernard Tomic will be in a final of the 15K in the Dominican Republic uh, tomorrow morning. So that's about 1am if you're really keen to uh, get around and watch uh, that final. And uh, Bernie's got no choice but to keep slugging away to see if he can get that ranking down. Uh, Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a little mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north. It's got tennis for everyone. It's perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete close to Melbourne Airport, it's got accommodation uh, just around the corner, you can log on and find out more at humetennis.com.au. But one of my key partners, AATC, 
couple of guests in the studio coming up next. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Great to have your company. It does feel strange to say on a uh, Sunday night. I think it's the first Sunday we've done for the year, but it is our final show for the year uh, a year where we started at the Australian Open, 45 editions of the first serve. I think we've covered a fair bit of ground covering the game domestically, covering the game abroad. Uh, we often say on this show there's never enough time to cover it. Hopefully we'll have some news in the next week of where we sit with that for 2023. So I can't tell you officially uh, tonight, but uh, for those that follow us regularly through our website, thefirstserve.com.au, all our socials, of course our, uh, our podcasts, uh, we'll keep you informed through the month of December when we have a little break and resume uh, programming for uh, 2023. Well, one of our great partners is uh, AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. They're providing quality coach education uh, right across uh, the globe. I've just been told uh, we're going into New Zealand for the first time uh, for the year, so magnificent to have our SENZ uh, audience uh, listening in. Courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners that uh, learn locally, coach globally. They are internationally endorsed. You can inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. Linton Joseph, he heads it up. He's the chief. It's uh, great to have you back, Linton. Oh, thanks for having us again, Brett. It's a real pleasure. Um, you've been a great supporter of our show this year. I do genuinely uh, appreciate that. And I know you do a lot of great, passionate work in the coaching uh, space. So since you were sort of last in or last on air, just give us a little uh, little pricey, if you like, of AATC and the year that you've had. Yeah, it's, it's been a pretty pretty special year, especially post-COVID, uh, with, with what we achieved. I remember last time we were on, you asked us, why doesn't TA endorse us? Yep. And um, that was a, a million-dollar question. But uh, I can probably say we are, we are sort of endorsed now for, for sporting schools. Uh, you look at the word endorsement, you wonder, what, what does it mean? You know, the word endorsement, to me, it means, I don't know, someone who needs a hug, someone needs a cuddle, someone insecure. Um, AATC is definitely not insecure. We... Um, we we're an official institute of the SDS Athletic University, yep. um, and, and they're an accredited educational body of the of the PTCA, and we've been with them since 2015. So we're always confident in our quality, uh, especially being endorsed on a, on a global scale. So we've always leveraged off, off that. So when um, when Tennis Australia came came knocking, I suppose Michael Robertson, who's here with us, had a, had a lot to do with that, and, and introduced the, the the AATC and TA together. Uh, there's a lot of scepticism on my end, obviously, with what had gone gone earlier with uh, with TA and the, the blockings and um, the, the impact it had on AATC and my own my own coaching. So, but having met with uh, Scott Rawlins and uh, Mitch Hewitt, yep, very very positive. Uh, they were the right people at the right time, and and we worked really hard to to map our courses, get it to a state in- industry standard, and, and now all our coaches are are able to um, access the sporting schools funding, and that's really important. puts us on a, on a level level playing field. And uh, we know, we know our, our courses are, are quality. Uh, you only have to look at the numbers that are getting gainful employment. So every course that's done in, in Australia, at least at least 90% of coaches are, are getting gainful employment. And, and that, the reason that is is because once they do our course, they're not just getting a certificate, they're, they're getting the resources to actually go out and deliver a program or a course or a, or a lesson. And, and that's the real point of difference. And if they're not quite job ready, we spend a lot of time mentoring Speaking with their their business their business owners or uh, who they're working for and making sure that they are getting to that stage, and you know all their courses are delivered by by industry leaders, um, business owners, and that's a, a really good point of point of difference for us. 
Yeah. Well, it's it's a topic that we've spoken a lot about coaching. Uh, you know, this year there's been obviously the coach review done by Tennis yeah. Australia. Everyone's looking at best practice. How do we compare to uh, coaching around the world? And it's an area, isn't it, Lyndon? That I mean, you can never have enough education. Uh, we need to continue to keep evolving so that we're we're guiding young tennis hopefuls in in the right direction. Yeah, look, in, in the industry we're in, we're sort of almost bred to to be individuals and. Uh, me, me, me. Uh, but yeah, if if we have a, a forum, and I mean, our old motto used to be opening the door to tennis. And what that primarily meant was anyone could come in and be trained, whether you're a, a an athlete or a, a parent, just someone interested in, in tennis. And we, we went a bit further with that motto in the sense that we were always hoping to talk to, you know, other bodies, other associations, but we really needed those other bodies and other associations to actually walk in those doors. And once they were able to do that, we were able to, to work together. And, and a lot of coaches don't actually talk together and, and, and share information and work together. But since COVID, we've noticed with the Zooms, with, you know, even with the PTCA and, and just AATC and, and TA, there's a lot more information, a lot more communication. Mm. And, and it's really healthy. I, I feel really encouraged by that and, and motivated by that. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2023 to see where that takes us, takes us all. No doubt. Uh, Voyager Tennis, tell us about the collaboration, uh, Linton. They're based up in, in Sydney. Yeah, uh, of course, yeah. we go into 1170 in, in Sydney uh, every single week with our Sydney audience. But tell us about Voyager before we welcome Ryan. On, on the Again, call. Michael Robertson's the culprit. He, um, I'll he, introduce, I will get to Michael in just a almost tick. like a, <laughs> a, a dating app, I, I guess. But he's um, he's introduced us to, to Ryan Henry and, and, and later on with with Adam Feeney from, from Voyager. And, you know, my, most, my first impression of them was that they were passionate also about coach education and you've got to have that synergy. And, and I felt that, that once we, we were able to nut out the logistics, the, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's and come up with what we were looking for, the, the bottom line was coach education, um, customer focused, developing coaches, which in turn developed the player. Um, because if we're going to make a, a, a player, you know, they've got to start from grassroots. Mm. That's, there's no way around it. They're going to start from grassroots. That's the bottom, the bottom line. So that, that's yeah, that's one of the few other things that we've um, that have happened in um, in AATC in Australia anyway. Brilliant. Well, you mentioned the name uh, Ryan Henry. Let's welcome him to the show from uh, Voyager Tennis. He's the director of uh, coach development. He's been good enough to join us on the show tonight. Ryan, uh, pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brett. Yeah, appreciate it, uh, mate. Looking looking forward to having a chat. Well, I might let uh, you and Linton sort of uh, wax uh, lyrical a little bit here because um, tell us about the. Uh, collaboration, Lyndon, I might just get you to put those headphones on so you can uh, hear uh, Ryan on the phone. Thank you very much. Uh, tell us about the collaboration between uh, the two of you. Ryan, I might get your perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, yeah, so so basically, I mean, I guess Voyager, Voyager Tennis is an organisation. We, 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 we do um, work with a lot of coaches and so, you know, um, of our own coaches. And, and, and so one of the, I guess, core needs that we had as an organisation was to was to better um, provide coach development to to our coaches internally, and so we we we're we're, we're also supporters of the Tennis Australia um, coach coach system as well. But we just found we we often couldn't get our coaches into courses. We couldn't get them in at the at the right time because they're at capacity a lot of the time as well. And and so we we wanted to work with um, an organisation, um, and we we had a really, couple of really good discussions with Linton, and and Linton was great in the way that he's allowed us to also customise our courses a little bit to New South Wales. And uh, and that's been that's been great. And so so basically the, the the way in which it sort of works really well for us is that 
whenever we have a new coach that starts within our own organisation, we put them through the level one and level two AATC qualification. So it's, it's given us a really good platform to, number one, be able to train our own coaches to, to a higher standard, um, which is one of the keys to driving you know, participation, and uh, but also provide the opportunity within the, the marketplace in Sydney for, for coaches who also want to want to get that get that uh, that very specific um, training and and I'd say like the one of the one of the great things about the AATC courses is that they're, they're very much designed for for the coach that's out there in in you know coaching at a community or a, you know a, a commercial sort of tennis venue um, and and uh, and so it's uh, yeah it's been, it's been great so basically we've we've been able to really really number one train our own coaches up through the AATC courses to get them to the next level but provide more opportunities out there in Linton. Linton's been uh, yeah he's been awesome awesome to work with. Um, he's obviously you know got a got a great track record in in many different countries with the AATC qualifications and and uh, yeah I think it's been, it's been a really good partnership this last year. Yeah, and just to to add to that, like like Voyager did did maintain the standard we we sort of felt we set we set, but they really improved it and improved the delivery and the standard of AATC across the board. And it's not just looking at competitors; it's looking internally and, and making sure that we're able to self assess whether that's through our peers, our customers, uh, and and the outcomes, and and just making sure that we continually evolve. So uh, Ryan and, and Adam have been great in the sense that they've been able to open the conversations all the time. We've got any any concerns, we the the, the lines of communication are all, always there, and, and their their courses are filling. And, and if you want to get into a course, you're going to have to go on a waiting list. And it's it's a really good problem to have, and it's a it's a healthy problem. But it also shows that you know the cream's rising to the top, and uh, and our standards hopefully starting to, to be embraced by, by the nation. Ryan, can I ask you, just before we slip in a break, um, you know, looking back on, on 2022 and, you know, the continued evolution of uh, coaching and where you just see it uh, right now in, in how best to guide, if you could just give us, a, you know, I mean, there's lots of layers to coaching, but a, a summary, if you like, of, of just how, how things are stacking up where you are. Yeah, to, to in terms of, um, coach development. Yeah. That, that, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think from our side, like one of the things that happened in in sort of 20, 2020, 21 and, and and the start of twenty twenty two was was that the borders were shut. You know, so we we didn't have any international coaches coming in. The the, the coach market across the you know the country was was in a in a in a pretty poor state in terms of looking for coaches. Everyone was really struggling everywhere. So. There's a lot of international coaches, I guess, coming in now um, to, uh, to to Australia, and and I think one of the key things there is is to be able to, you know, often you'll get a great international coach coming in, and 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 uh, and the key thing is is to be able to train them, and I guess on the Australian or the way the Australian way that the customers like to do sessions. So, what we've found is that European coaches have a very different sort of style, and they, you know, we have European coaches come in, and then they actually they actually get complaints. Uh, a lot of the time early on because it's not meeting the needs of the Australian customer. So I think it's I think it's really important to run run courses to, that uh, that are meeting the needs of of, of the customers here. Um, I think uh, yeah I think I think a lot of clubs have been struggling to get coaches in their business, but I think that's changing as well. You, you, we're seeing a lot more yep. operators now sponsoring coaches, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah this, this this year has made I think a it's made a big difference in the marketplace to, to get coaches in. And, 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 and I think the, the key thing that we're really focused on is making sure they're well-trained 
Um, so uh, yeah, that's I guess that's a little bit on the on the sort of coach coach dev market from from myself. No doubt, Ryan, stick around. Uh, Ryan Henry's with us from Voyager Tennis up in Sydney tonight. Linton Joseph, uh, of course, heading up AATC. Well, welcome you, Michael Robinson, to the discussion. A long time in tennis after uh, the break. Uh, we are supported by Melbourne's leading uh, synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, SD Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. So check them out. ASTE.com.au. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips uh, with you, our final show for the year. We're through till 7.30 uh, Eastern uh, tonight. You can give us a call, one 736 736 or on the Tennis Direct text 043398. 11.16, of course, Australia and Canada to fight for the Davis Cup a little bit later on tonight uh, from 11 o'clock on uh, 9 Gem. Looking forward to that a little bit later on. So maybe it might require a little nana nap uh, beforehand because... Uh, I reckon you've got to see this one out. It could go down to the doubles. You're going to be falling asleep on the couch about 3.30 and miss some of the best stuff. Linton Joseph is in the studio, AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, great partners of our show. He's the chief. We've got, um, of course, Ryan Henry from Voyager Tennis collaborating with AATC, who's been joining us on the line, uh, Director of Coach Development, and magnificent to welcome into the studio uh, Michael Robinson, uh, of course, Professional Pathways Manager working with AATC, but Michael, a long time in tennis, Tennis West, Tennis Australia. We've uh, set on a few uh, different Zoom calls the last couple of years, but it's uh, wonderful to welcome you uh, into the studio. Thanks, Brie. Tell us uh, about your involvement here with uh, uh, AATC, and particularly the Bespoke uh, Program and and what that's all about. Well, um, I guess a couple of things. First, I met Linton, um, uh, was almost by accident, and... Um, one of the first things of, of setting up uh, the, the partnership with, uh, firstly with Tennis Australia and their Sporting in Schools endorsement, and then later with Voyager was um, just to create a, a, a check and balance system for AATC. You know, uh, I, I saw how passionate he was, and he really didn't have a seat at the table. And um, uh, you know, I had I have the opportunity to know some people that work for TA that do a fantastic job and continue to do that. And then also the directors, two of the directors at uh, Voyager, Ryan and the other director Tim Walter. I've known both both those guys since they were teenagers. And um, so essentially, it was just putting people together and getting Linton uh, on a call. And uh, I mean, Australia is too small not to tap into absolutely every resource mm. that we have to further the sport. And, um, you know, so far I think it's, it's worked really well. It's been a good collaboration. But I, I guess my background was more in the, um, in the uh, specialised knowledge point of coaching. So there are really two types of coaches. If you divide them into a high-performance coaching, you'd, you'd have developers of talent and then converters of talent. So traditionally, a developer of talent would be someone who has a, a player 10, 11, 12 years old to, to, say, 15, 16, and they really want to develop that talent, and, yep. and there's a certain skill set around that. Mm. And then you've got um, the converters of talent, which would normally be players that have had tour experience and would take a young player, a 17, 18, 19-year-old, on the tour and actually teach them how to to, uh, to win on the tour. And given that I've got small kids and, and, and have no aspirations to be traveling 30 weeks of the year and had, I believe I had some, some 
good experiences developing both players and coaches, uh, you know, went into this develop developers of talent skill set for AATC, and we call it the Level Three Coaching Course, and it's uh, it's a really a, a bespoke program of <clears throat> coaches that uh, want to increase their knowledge in that area. And how's, how's that travelling? When was that introduced officially? Well, we've been going about a year and a half okay. now. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's very, very, as I said, bespoke. Yeah. Um, we start with, um, and in the corporate world, this would be quite well known, but the Myers-Briggs um, uh, type indicators. So you basically sit down with a coach and really take a deep dive into into their personality and, and how they um, see the world and their philosophy and then really uh, sit down with them, talk about their goals, what they really want to do with the coaching, where, they, where they're at and design a program specifically around, um, around them. And it's very one-on-one. So it's, it's, a, it's almost a form of mentor touring, you, you, you could say. Can I get your, just your personal view on just the, the coaching uh, landscape in general? You've been around a long time, uh, Michael, and obviously some great work with uh, AATC because it, it's a, I feel like we, as part of our program, it comes up as a, a, a frequent sort of talking point. I know there's a strong sort of uh, community of coaches that do listening to our show and our, our specific podcasts uh, that they, um, they find interesting, but how, you, how do you sort of look at the, uh, the market of coaches in Australia? Uh, well, the the couple the last few years I can only talk really to Victoria because uh, I'm I'm not travelling as much mm. uh, um, nationally, and there are definitely pockets of excellence. There's a lot of passion out there, um, but you know I think, I think it was Neil Craig said uh, something in a talk uh, at the AIS some time ago that the quality of teams will never exceed the quality of the coaches, and if you look at any successful club. And, and this is even in participation, not necessarily developing uh, players. You, um, uh, there's always a great coach behind every single club. You, if you do not have a good coach, and good coach or great coach, it, it means many things. Be a really great people person, a great organiser, great technical coach, and all of the above. Um, that really drives the sport. So... Uh, um, th- 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 you know, like anything, we've always got work to do. We can always get better. But yep. I think there are definitely people out there that are very good. And there's also definitely room for improvement. Yeah, no doubt. I, I feel like we're probably going to need to do another show, maybe in 2023, where we can pull apart this in a bit more uh, depth. But, Linton, there's a couple of other things on your agenda you want to get across uh, tonight. We might bring Ryan yeah, back into the conversation as well. What do you got for us? Yeah, it was a really good analysis that Ryan had, especially with the, the European coach and trying to fit into the, the Australian way. Yep. Uh, when we travel overseas... Uh, quite often the questions asked, how is our courses different to, say, the, the other external ones that are delivered? And, and it comes down to the fact that our, our big picture focus is is having enough staff in our local environment because since COVID, we've missed out a lot. We've, we've lost staff. We haven't had that same level of commitment. So now we just got back from India a couple of weeks ago and we did a couple of courses in, in Kerala and, and Ahmedabad. And we weren't just trying to train them. We were also trying to identify who was job ready to come and work in, in centres in, in Melbourne and, and in Sydney because we have a lot of coaches that refer their staff to us and trust them for us to train them. But we also want to find coaches who are job ready but are also trainable. So not set in their ways so much, but they're actually available to just embrace the ideas. And like what Michael said about, you know, learning, always room for improvement, you know, putting the ego away and just knowing that you can always get better 
and, and you can always learn from someone. So if you don't do a course without you going away learning yourself, you haven't really done a course properly, I guess. So yeah, so the last trip we've done, and because we're an approved sponsor through Home Affairs, yep. it, it's really important that we do everything the right way from the immigration agent to ensuring that the person has accommodation, that they're able to afford the cost of living coming from a country like India, for example, where the exchange rate's about 55 to one. And, and the cost of living in Australia, I mean, it's, it's increasing all the time, isn't it? So we've got that responsibility from a humane point of view to make sure that, that we, we, we take that on board. And just because someone's got the confidence that they're a great coach overseas, and like Ryan said, you know, they, they'll quickly fall below the wayside if they don't maintain the standard that we're expecting. And, and, and every business owner has every right to do that and expect that in our, in our environment move, moving forward. No doubt. Ryan, I might bring you back in here. I know you've been listening in uh, on the line, uh, part of our uh, discussion. Uh, when, when you hear that, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts just listening to Linton there? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, Brett. Yeah, and I think um, just following on from what Linton's saying there, like participation or driving participation um, at every venue is one of the, is probably maybe the most important thing because, you know, you can see a lot of sort of tennis clubs and tennis venues around Australia struggling now. They've had, you know, they've had sort of their venues been going for 40, 50 years. They need some serious, you know, upgrades um, required, which require capital to do that. And if, if the clubs that haven't been able to drive participation are, the, are, are some of the ones that have really struggled um, and, and they've got courts that are in, you know, unplayable conditions and that. And, and the key to driving that participation, is, as Michael uh, Robinson was just saying a moment ago, is, is actually having great coaches. You know, the coaches are the ones that drive the coaching program. And once you've got the coaching program going really well, you, you're adding competitions, you've got court highs, you've got families, you've got, you know, the whole, the whole venues, they, they come alive, but it only happens when you've got great coaches on the site. And so, you know, like, you know, the first priority is obviously to train as many, um, you know, local coaches as possible and, and get them up to a really good standard. And then, um, you know, when, that's, when, when, when that option has been exhausted, as most clubs have done, um, you know, the, the international coaches are, are filling that. And so what Linton's doing there, by going overseas and actually bringing coaches back to Australia is exactly what, you know, tennis needs um, in Australia because, you know, the, the, the more coaches we have that are at a great standard, the more people are going to be, you know, getting coaching in Australia and, 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 uh, and staying on. And, and one of the biggest costs to, to a lot of, you know, um, tennis clubs is, is is not retaining customers you know so you know it can it can cost a lot of tennis clubs tens of thousands of dollars a year because their their, their coaches aren't up to a good enough standard to continually retain say 90 percent of customers players that are that are playing and 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 so we just think that you know in terms of you know the the investment in spending um on a on a coaching course that's going to help service customers better and and get more people playing more often is is just a great way to do it. So we've we've noticed that since since we've started to put, you know take a lot of coaches through these courses that they they they're just getting some outstanding results when they go back to their tennis clubs and uh, as I said the, the the players are getting a better service because the coaches are, are better trained. So um, good stuff. Yeah. Ryan, uh, really appreciate your contribution. Uh, Voyager Tennis, you can check out Voyager Tennis uh, for those who are interested to find out more around the country. Uh, I'll uh, I reckon We'll get an invitation your way in 2023 when we've got a little bit more time on the show. Ryan, really appreciate that you're jumping on for a chat tonight. 
Yeah, thanks, Brett. It was great to talk, mate. Ryan, Henry, Voyager Tennis. We're going to slip in a break. I think we'll come back and just sort of finish off the discussion. I want to bring in Stephen Huss as well uh, with his uh, coaching hat. So we'll do that uh, after the break. Uh, Speaking of coaching, uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching, great supporters of ours this year. Added uh, beautiful Eaglemont just off the Eastern Freeway. Junior and adult programs available. Shane Scrutton, 30 years coaching experience. Yarratennis.com.au. He's an absolute uh, beauty. Uh, Shane was in the studio here last week. A break. uh, Back with more of the first serve. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. The First Serve, uh, our final show for 2022. Uh, Brett Phillips uh, in the chair. We'll uh, give you some more details in the next week or so as what 2023 does uh, look like. Of course, we'll have a big summer of tennis uh, with uh, SEN's coverage of the Australian Open like we've done uh, for uh, so many years now, and uh, the first serve, of course, will be back uh, bigger and be- better in uh, 2023. As uh, we heard the voice just before the break of uh, Stephen Huss, the 2005 Wimbledon champion, is a big part of our team, of course, uh, hosting our Crunching the Numbers uh, uh, podcast. As you might start with that, because you and uh, Chris Tonts, who coaches uh, Claire Lou, you put together about nine editions this year. We had it um, as part of our library uh, with Mark Safoulis and Shane Leonage uh, prior to that, and uh, there is, uh, we've been talking about coaching in the last uh, 30 to 45 minutes. There's a strong coaching playing fraternity who love the numbers, the data, the trends. I know you've enjoyed doing the podcast. It's uh, and, and great to listen to Chris, who's actually, you know, week in, week out. Uh, I don't know how many weeks he's been on tour this week, at feel, this year. Quite it feels a lot, like a yeah. lot, uh, uh, Stephen, but I know you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, we do. It's good fun. Um, I think that uh, it's a little bit different to what Shane and Mark were doing last year. I think Shane has access to uh, you know much more detail, and he's he's amazing with what he does. But uh, yeah, we really tried to to bring some things that uh, you know the people at home playing at any level could relate to, and then also you know try and try and educate or or and ask people to consider. Um, some of the information out there and then decide whether it's for them. But it's been great fun and, and Chris Tons is a, is a fantastic uh, sidekick for me. Um, and Claire Liu has had a fantastic year and he's a really good coach and, and, and he absolutely utilises data and analytics to uh, support his player. Yeah, and that's the modern coach, isn't it, uh, now? Uh, using whatever sport it is, uh, Stephen, using every tool they can to try and get that, that small edge. Absolutely. And uh, there's so many more things that are measurable um, these days. And I, I do a little bit of work with Shane Leonage at DDSA and um, some of the stuff that they can measure and find and look at these days, I certainly wasn't aware of. Um, and so it's just continuing to go further in that direction. And I think that AFL in this country is one of those sports that's got to led the way in sports science. And uh, I think uh, tennis is catching up. How do you look back on uh, 2022? I mean, you spent a bit of time on the tour there for uh, uh, a few weeks. Uh, we end the year with a, a world number one that we knew was destined to uh, go to the top echelons of the sport. We probably didn't think right now he might get to world number one at the age of uh, 19. You've still got a wily old Spaniard, almost double his age, who's still there right behind him. Casper uh, Root has continued to take uh, enormous steps and just a quality young guy on the tour. Sitsi Pass... Uh, Djokovic, it's funny, we almost probably still think of him, Stephen, as the world number one in a sense if he had to play the full calendar this year. And, you know, Felix has taken another big step. Uh, Rublev, Fritz, Hercatch, uh, Holger Rune, what a, what a year for the young man from Denmark. So there's always been that discussion. What was tennis going to look like beyond Federer's retirement, eventually when Novak and, and Rafa go? To me, tennis is in good hands for the next couple of decades. 
It's in fantastic hands, and I think it was nice that a, a couple of the older ones could hang on. Um, if you look at the year, there were two players that won two Grand Slams, one on the men's side, and that was Nadal, and one on the women's side, and that was Igor Swiatek. They're mm. at very different you know, stages of their career, but for Nadal to come out and win two Slams this year was incredible. Um, Swiatek pretty much dominated women's tennis for a long stretch there, going unbeaten for a long time. So that's really kind of... at, at either end of the spectrum, one young, one older. And then, of course, uh, if, if you think about losing Grand Slam finalists, we had two players that both lost two. And we talk about Ons Jabeur on the yep. women's side and Kasper Ruud on the men's side. And both of those players, I think, are going to be around and contending for slams with the games that they play. Uh, but for me, the highlight is the emergence of Carlos Alcaraz. I absolutely love him as a player, as a competitor. Uh, he's a player that if you look at him, he's complete. He has all the skills. He can volley, he can slice, he uses the drop shot, he can hit heavy, he can play fast. Mm. And so I think he's an incredible example for younger players looking up saying, okay, I need to learn the full game. I need to have all my array of tricks. And then added to that, um, he, you know, he has the work ethic. He has the physicality, the fitness, uh, it, at such a young age incredible. is pretty incredible. Yeah. And actually just a quick story on Alcaraz, one of the, the coaches who was down in South America several years ago, he came back to the USTA when I was working there and he said, oh, Juan Carlos Ferrero was, was out <laughs> on the back courts with this young guy for like three or four hours a day yeah. in addition to the competition he was playing. And that was Carlos Alcaraz. So he has done a crazy amount of work to be where he is. Uh, and to me, he's going to be around for a long time and he's going to win a lot of slams. And just the way, I mean, you've spoken about all the on-court tennis side there and, and then there's dealing with the media. I mean, it's a sport where you probably do more media than any other sport. And he embraces that. He embraces the fans. He just looks he looks just so comfortable. He doesn't look overawed. He, you know, the, he accepts that he's in the limelight. He's shot to notoriety very, very quickly. But if you don't embrace and enjoy that, that's a big part of your job, isn't it? You've got to go in and do press. You've got to have fan engagement. And if you don't enjoy and embrace that, it can become a little bit laborious. But he seems to enjoy the whole package. He really does. And he's got a great role model in Rafael Nadal, doesn't yep. he? Uh, I, I hope that, you know, the kids of this generation, boys and girls, will start to look up to Carlos Alcaraz and, and that'll become someone that they're trying to emulate the way that a lot of people did with Nadal before. But it's more than just the court. It's more than just the, the play. Uh, like you point out, there's a lot of external things, and it seems like he's been trained in that as well. No doubt. Uh, the the Aussies, uh, you did a bit of work, um, I see, with Jason Kubler uh, this year. We've got, you know, Alex Demonor has really cemented himself, I think, as our, well, he's been the most consistent. Uh, we know Nick has shot back up, and that was always going to happen if he got back playing with more continuity. Um Probably disappointing we didn't get to see him finish the whole year playing uh, singles. And maybe we'll answer this question after the Davis Cup. Um, you know, if he had applied, does that give us a more sure position? You'd have to argue strongly uh, yes. But we've got we've got this group who never die wondering, who obviously have a great camaraderie, great work ethic. They they play a lot of weeks when you're thinking of Melbourne and Thompson. You know, Duckworth's come back from injury this year. Um, you know, Kubler taking a step. Chris O'Connell, his year. We always thought he was capable of being a top 100 player. So it's an, it's not a shortage of effort and application from our Aussies who are putting in some miles around the world. Yeah, it's really fun to have those two guys at the top. I think that any time that, uh, that Nick and, and Alex enter a tournament, they've got a chance to win it. I absolutely believe that. And they're pretty contrasting styles and attitudes and people. And I think that's interesting and good for the sport of tennis. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then behind them, absolutely, Chris O'Connell coming up and 
and, and getting into the top hundred here at the end of the year. And, you know, I had a great time working with Jason Kubler throughout the year and he's kind of jumped up and, and is really doing things the right way. So I expect him to continue to grow and he's just outside a hundred right now. I think another couple you, you could, uh, talk about would certainly be, uh, Rinky Hijikata yeah, like who's him. come out of college and, um, you know, fantastic young man working really hard. I watched him play Medvedev in Cabo when I was down there and also, you know, playing Rafa at the U S open. Um, so he's had some experience at the highest level against the biggest players and that's only going to spur him on. So he's one who's coming up and, you know, he's only 21 years of age. So I think that's fantastic. And also the year of Dane Sweeney. I mean, just winning so many matches and making his way up. Uh, you know, I had Dane at my house in Atlanta this year, you know, playing tennis out on the road with my young son. So fantastic young man and, and so good to see him doing well. And I think on the on the women's side, Isla has had an incredible year. Um, I think she's played very, very well, beaten a lot of good players. and mm, Increased she, belief. One of yep. the best ball strikers out there. Yep. So uh, if she continues to, to you know have a growth mindset and improve little details in her game, she can go even higher. Uh, and then I think there's, you know, there's some players there between 100 and 250 that uh, have absolute potential and talent. And, you know, I just encourage them to... Uh, to have a look at their situation and, and, you know, see, Hey, am I doing the, am I, am I doing everything the same? Am I, cause sometimes it's about not just working harder. It's about working smarter. Um, and I know a bunch of those girls because I was around them, uh, working with the players at the USTA that I worked with and they're, they're wonderful young ladies. And I, I know that they can do more. Uh, and then I think there's a couple of, I mean, Taylor Preston at the youngest level, you yep. look at what she's doing. Um, in juniors and then starting on WTA. And there's another girl named Petra Huell who's just come out of college. Been really impressive the last yeah, few weeks on the pro tour. Who's winning a lot of matches coming straight out of college. Yeah. Um, so it's fun to see them. And then even looking down at the younger levels, you know, a, a young girl named Emerson Jones, who mm. I'm sure you're aware of. You were her um, on the show this year. Yeah, yeah. Who's, who's doing really well as well. So there's some excitement uh, looking forward and Really, uh, we hope that they can, everyone in that we've talked about can continue to work towards maximizing their potential. I mean, Hussey, you've lived in the US for a little while and, but you've got, you know, obviously you're tapping into Australia all the time and and knowing what's happening in the landscape here. You listen to this show regularly, you get the feel of, you know, people in Australian tennis and there's lots of different views on our pathways, on our development of players, our, our coaching uh, yes, there's some logistical challenges. I think we have to all admit uh, that, but it can't be sort of seen as a, an excuse uh, either. Um, but how, how do you how do you sort of look at just the development of our <clears throat> Australians in trying to make it in professional tennis? Because uh, there's been discussions on this show this year. You know, do we do we have a, a bigger a third tier, if you like, of competition here? Obviously, the competitive play calendars come out for next year, trying to provide as many opportunities as possible. We know that our Australian players have to go and spend a chunk of time overseas to find out their level and, and test themselves against the world. But it's a, it's a fine balancing act, isn't it? Because not many are going to absolutely reach the top echelons and how you mark success. It is. I like your challenging question. Thanks for that, BP. It's okay. I thought it'd light you up. <laughs> Last year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's uh, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a way uh, to do things. Uh, I think there needs to be, you know, plenty of opportunities in Australia to get your start and to get good competitive play. Absolutely believe that, and it certainly helps in this day and age. The depth has gotten a lot more. It's a lot harder to go out and start now than it used to because it's hard to even get into qualifying. So I, I understand the challenges and difficulty around that. So I mean, I just encourage. 
for those who have aspirations to play on the world the world stage, they need to do really well in their local area first, then their regional area, then their state area, then their national area, and then if you go through that sort of pathway, and I think um, Tennis Australia are doing a good job of 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 creating more opportunities in tournaments, whether it be UTR, junior tournaments, incentivizing players to play more. I know that UTR has been a, a big topic of conversation, but at the end of the day, I want everyone to remember that um, to avoid competition isn't going to make you better at competition. Mm, mm. Um, and so you have to get out there and compete in whatever, whatever area you're competing in. So I do think there has to be uh, opportunities at home and definitely where you can get a start. But then I truly believe that you have to go overseas. I mean, you have to experience that level. You have to experience that intensity, the different game styles, the different conditions and environments. And so while there should be a calendar here to start and and to support your growth in the rankings, if you only play well and do well in Australia, then you're not going to be good enough to do well internationally and overseas. So you have to go over and have that experience. And the logistics are a, are a, uh, are a challenge for us down here in Australia, um, but you, you can do it. They, they can do it. Uh, no doubt. We're going to get a quick break in. More of Stephen Huss on the other side. And Peter Johnston, uh, Tournament Director of the Kuyong Classic, is going to jump on for a couple of minutes. Speaking of Carlos Elkarez, they've signed Elkarez. Demonoid's a pretty good field. Kuyong is back. I was there for dinner Friday night. Gee, it looks good. Uh, and they want the Kuyong Classic back in a big way. So we'll come back and round out our last show for 2022. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Uh, the final part of our show for the year, uh, just one from Aaron at Airport West. Uh, thanks to the first serve team and all you do for tennis, bringing it to us not just in January, but all year round. I don't want to get self-indulgent, Aaron. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Alcaraz for AO23 and, of course, Igor Fiontek, best show going around. Aaron, you're a very kind man. Nice little segue. Uh, Hussey into uh, Peter Johnston, tournament director of the Kuyong Classic, and he's back in a big way in 2023. John Oak, great to have you on the program. And Carlos Elcarez, it's a very nice get for you and the team down there at Kuyong. Yeah, hi, Brendan. Hi, Hussey. And Hussey, good to talk to a Wimbledon champion. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, Johnny. Um, John o, you're still my best win, mate, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> Very good. No, look, thanks, Brett. It's, yeah, the classic's coming on well, especially with Alcaraz. And um, I checked in with the team the other day. Obviously, he's, he's had the uh, abdomen injury, which yeah. cut his season short. But he's finishing year-end number one. And I think it actually Kuyong plays well for him, really, um, you know, to prepare for the Australian Open. So, yeah, looking forward to him coming and uh, watching Alex Dumanur overnight. If, see if the Aussies can get it done in... Uh, in uh, Andalucia, and um, yeah, with him playing, I think that's great as well. Taylor Fritz, yep. a few others, so it should be a good event. Okay, so you, it's Demonor, Alcaraz, Fritz, who's uh, there's the fourth one, I think we announced a, a few yeah, weeks ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, Marin Cilic, Cilic. is playing. Uh, we've got a couple more, which I think will roll out in the next week or so. We've been waiting a little bit to see what happened with United Cup with that announcement, mm. and you know, um, see what Adelaide entries close this week, and you know, you've got to wait in the weeds a little bit to see who else is around and yep. also with the women as well. So, yeah, but it's shaping up really well and um, I think everyone's pretty happy that after two years off that we're playing again. No doubt. I was down there at the Racket Club. What a place to... The food was unbelievable Friday night, let me tell you. So all the car parking's complete, the beautiful new function room, which will look over 
uh, centre court, so that's got a new uh, feel to it. I mean, Kuyong is complete now with the renovation, so it's uh, all set up, Jono, for a great three days. Yeah, it should be good. And uh, look, just when you're saying looking over that new stadium room, it's a fantastic corporate room, and you'll be looking over a pickleball court as well. We're going to do some pickleball demonstrations as well outside and a bunch of other activities. So, yeah, look, now that the venue's complete and it's really schmick, as you said, it's, it's really cherry ripe to host a good event. And, uh, you know, it's always held a good spot in the Australian summer, and I think the players have always been behind it. So, yeah. Uh, 18 hours on SBS as well, so we're going okay. Nice. So tickets go on sale? When? Yeah, yeah they're on already okay. at um, au, and actually that's uh, for the three days, 10th, 11th and 12th of Beautiful. January. Good stuff. John, we, uh, we actually owe you a, a studio visit, so let's lock that in at some point for 2023. The year's gone uh, and flown by pretty quickly. Uh, I'd love to just talk about your travels in general. You've been around the world uh, of course, leading the way with uh, specific tournaments. So uh, we'll uh, put that in the calendar for next year. All right, guys. Well, good to talk to you. Cheers. Peter Take Johnston, care. Tournament Director, Kuyong Classic. That'll be back uh, one of the key little lead-ups. Some guaranteed matches for some players leading into uh, the uh, Australian Open. Hussie, what do you want to, uh, what do you want to finish with? Uh, some words of wisdom. The tennis season. Uh, are you optimistic about Australia tonight? This should be a great Davis Cup battle. Yeah, I am optimistic. Absolutely. Uh, I do think that... Alex has been in unbelievable form there at, at number one singles. And although the Canadians have a, an, a really strong one-two punch, I do think uh, the doubles Australia have a little edge. Uh, I spent a little bit of time with Max Purcell this year cool. and uh, that boy can really play. Uh, and I mean singles as well as doubles. Well, um, can he, I just say, yep. I don't know how much time you spent with Nathan Healy, who's a good friend of this program. Mm-hmm. So Nathan had a lot, obviously, to do with Max. And I hope they can maybe get back and collaborate again but he said on this program I see last year he believes that Max could be a top 20 player now when you just hear that you think well it's okay I mean he's a long way back how do you get through the field then you watch him play and particularly in the dubs the other night he spit ebbed and out he knew he had to step up and spearhead that team his serving was off the charts and we know he's got x factor about him so who knows where he might get to but He's a different cat. He's uh, we, We've had him on this show when he won Wimbledon this year and he just tells it, tells it as he sees it, but he's got some freakish talent. Yeah, he absolutely has, and he's still learning, and I think he's had some challenges around trying to balance his doubles and his singles. Mm. Um, I think that's difficult to do. And Do I want to be a top 20 doubles player, top 10 doubles player? Is that what I want, or do I want to play singles? And he's kind of been juggling a little bit of both. So I think he'll have to get that in order to really maximize his singles but he has some really really strong strengths that he you know just continue to get better use them as often as possible and then he's got some opportunities to improve in some areas but uh i think if he if he invests get someone you know who who keeps him accountable all the year round mm. um he can he can do really well in singles um to complement his doubles uh, rather than kind of the other way around it looks like the other way around right now no doubt. Hey, great to have you in, and uh, I know you'll be jetting back to the US. Uh, we'll uh, keep crunching the numbers going uh, next year, and anytime you're back here, you're very welcome in this studio. So, Thanks for having me, BP. Great to pick your brain. Stephen Huss, uh, we are done for 2022. Keep an eye on thefirstserve.com.au, all our socials, all our podcasts, our shows. If you've missed them throughout the year, everything is archived at thefirstserve.com.au. So you can go back and listen through the month of uh, December, We are going to be back. This show started in 2009. We want to keep it rolling into 2023. I want to thank every guest that's come on our show. Everyone's contributed. Everyone's written in to us. It's a passionate 
tennis community out there, be it players, coaches, parents, administrators, I do thank you for sharing your insights uh, with me and we'll we'll settle up next year. Eh? One month off. We all need just a slight tennis break. We've all got a bit of fatigue, but we'll catch you in 2023.